So we believe that it's never been more important for golf professionals to have tools that save them time and help them deliver great experiences to golfers. And again, that's where we come into the picture. So that, that's really the growth part of it, of the pandemic. The question then becomes retention. How do you keep these folks engaged? And to us, that really comes down to what type of experience is the golf course delivering? So you get these folks out there for a league for nine holes, or maybe they go to a clinic, but what brings them back? What's gonna turn them into golfers for life? What's gonna turn them into folks that are gonna play 10, 15, 20 or more rounds of golf a year? Because that's really the name of the game. So we sort of see three major things that keep people engaged. Quality learning opportunities, social opportunities. So they're doing it whether they're learning or playing, they're doing it with other people, meeting new people, doing it with people they know and people that they wanna to get to know to, to grow their circles, their social circles. And also competition and you're having fun. And we believe if you can deliver all three of those things, that it enhances retention. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thanks very much for joining us, and please subscribe to the show so you hear about all of our upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Chris Kalmeyer, co-CEO at Golf Genius Software. After over 20 years in software for banking and global financial markets, Chris joined the Golf Genius Software team over five years ago with co-founder and co-CEO Mike Zisman, who, if you're a regular listener, you may remember I had the pleasure of speaking with back in November 28 on episode number 52. We're going to talk about all kinds of interesting things. What I love about Golf Genius Software and the conversations Chris and I have had over the last couple of months is how they are constantly innovating, how they are evolving, and how they are creating new products and services and not resting on their laurels, creating something out of the gate that's very impactful with tournament software, but they're not stopping there. They're evolving that. They're creating new products and they've got other ones in the pipe. And I'm not going to be a spoiler here right now and say too much because I want Chris to, to share all this with us. So to do that, I want to introduce him to the show. So Chris, thanks very much for joining me today and, uh, and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thanks, Colin. It's great to be here. Really enjoyed our conversations up to this point and looking forward to a great discussion. As am I, as am I. Chris, as you know, on the Mod Golf Podcast, we talked to a lot of early stage startup companies in the golf industry, some of them about the ideation stage, some of them like Top Golf that have really broken it out. And also with Golf Genius Software, what I love about when I first spoke with Mike, gosh, almost three years ago, you were an early stage, early growth company at that time. You had traction and with golf tournament software really breaking into the market, but you've come so far since then. So I want to ask this question on this little icebreaker. I always tie back to golf. I want to know your connection to golf. When's the first time you ever picked up a golf club? Was it as a kid? And also share what you consider a magical moment for you in golf, whether it was a hole in one, the best shot you ever hit or, or some experience. So perhaps you can start with an icebreaker with those golf related sure. moments in your life. Absolutely. So I'm from Philadelphia. I grew up in a middle-class neighborhood that was about a 20 minute walk from the nearest municipal golf course. Played baseball quite a bit growing up. Didn't play golf until I was 14. So the, the summer when I was 14 years old, a friend of mine and I would walk to this golf course and help ourselves, so to speak. You know, <laughs> we would walk around the fence and find golf balls and play as many holes as we could. And we got to know the folks there over time. Of course, they were happy to help us become proper customers of the golf course. But that was really our introduction to the game and 
we didn't even have our own golf clubs at that point. Our neighbors lent us a few clubs and we found a golf bag somewhere. We shared one golf bag with four or five clubs and again, found golf balls in the woods whenever we lost them. And that was it. I would say that was the magical moment. I was hooked right away. I was pretty good to start, but I was really enamored with the idea of getting better and better. And I enjoyed practicing and competing and did that in high school, later in college. And that was really it. I've been playing since I was 14. That was, my goodness, 35 years ago. I'm getting old. <laughs> I'm still trying to get better. Still dealing with some of the same habits and things that I have in my own golf game, but always striving to get better. It's a game of a lifetime. Love everything about it and, and thrilled that my career is now in the golf space. Love it. Love it. Well, I also love the story there that, yeah, you were just hopping the fence there and playing as much as you could until you were chased off the course there. So obviously you've evolved quite a bit then, not only in your golf game, but also what you do professionally in golf. So I want to start exactly. here a couple of years ago. I guess ago. you could say I've been working in golf since I was 15 because I got a job the next summer at that golf course so I could play as much golf as I, I wanted and get paid. So I guess I've been in golf and working in golf since I was 15 years old. Love it. Love it. There you go. So I want to go back about five or six years ago when you joined on with Mike and Golf Genius Software. So I want to start with that moment, that snapshot, because with a lot of founders out there with startups and they're doing everything themselves and it's very difficult for them to either realize or acknowledge that they need help, that they need someone to complement gaps that they have. So can you talk about that? It's like onboarding, how that came about that you went from Mike founding the company, being the CEO, that then you came on board and realized, hey, what you can bring to the table here is part of your secret sauce to really compliment Mike and extract him from certain elements that you're really good at so he can focus on his core competency. So talk about that, how that whole marriage as co-CEOs came about. Sure. Great, great question. So I'll start going back a little further. The story you would have heard from Mike is that he founded the business in 2009, focused on buddy golf trips later evolved the business to focus on golf leagues and help folks run golf leagues. And in 2014 and 15, pivoted into serving golf clubs, public courses, private clubs, resorts, and so forth. So that was 2014, 2015. I left the banking and global financial market space in 2015 and was looking for the next thing. I, I happened to get to know Mike because I was heavily involved in my own club and volunteering in various capacities. I worked very closely with our management team, our general manager, our director of golf, and others. And I really had a sense of the tools that they were using to run their golf business in a variety of ways. And that made me realize that there's still a lot of opportunity in the world of golf software or software solutions for the golf industry. And I started searching around in that process. I met Mike, learned about Golf Genius, and about a year later, he asked me to come aboard. In terms of the time of the business at that point, we had about 500 public courses, private clubs, and resorts as customers. I put that into context, we're now in over 10,000 private clubs, public facilities, resorts, golf associations, and tours in over 60 countries. So in those five years, we've come a long way. In terms of how we fit, it's a very nice fit. Mike's got a long career in enterprise software, including over 10 years with IBM, and he's a successful entrepreneur before that. He brings tremendous experience in that regard. You know, I have my own experience in terms of software. He's very focused on the strategic elements of our business, partnerships, creating great relationships outside the company. I work very closely with all of our folks inside the company to really keep everything running. And it's been a very nice complimentary relationship. Love it. Love it. 
I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, once again, at that early growth stage or even startup stage, and all of them, not all of them, but a majority of them are struggling to find a co-founder or a partner and find that right fit. Is there any advice you can give for entrepreneurs out there that right now are slogging away on their own and they're desperately looking for that marriage? Is there any advice you can give for them of where they should look and maybe what the questions they should ask and how they can go about that? Yeah, I think I'd probably say, you know, start by looking in the mirror and be honest with yourself about what you're good at, what you want to spend your time on, and where you need help. So that when you are talking to folks, you have that lens of, okay, well, if I know I need help in certain areas, or I know I want to grow the business in a certain way, then I'm looking for folks who can help me do that. And in the process, free me up to spend more time on the things that I need to do or that I want to do in growing the business. Okay, well, that's a great segue, growing the business. Well, I'll let you now guide the ship here. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with where you are as evolving tournament management, or do you want to talk about yeah, what let's you're start do- with let's start with tournament management because again, I think the audience that's where they would probably know us. Yeah, and yeah. Associate golf genius with the idea of tournament management, live scoring, leaderboards. They may be experiencing that at their own club, for example, playing in a league or playing in their member member tournament or playing in a charity outing and they're live scoring and enjoying that experience. They may experience it as a competitor at the state or regional level, competing in serious competitions like a state amateur or a qualifier for the U.S. Open. They may just be experiencing that as a fan who's monitoring and watching a leaderboard through a website or a mobile app to see how their friends are doing or see how an important competition is going, see who's winning and seeing how it's going. We like to call that golf genius everywhere, that golfers or golf tournament administrators sort of see us everywhere from the trips that the business started at in 2009 to leagues, to club level events, to state and regional competitions, all the way up to competitions run by the PGA of America, the USGA, England Golf, the Senior European Tour, and so forth. So up and down that stack, we would call that golf genius everywhere. And that's how people tend to know us. And the way people should think about our product is it's essentially a sophisticated toolbox that allows golf professionals all up and down that stack to run organized golf competitions from start to finish, from getting golfers promoted and signed up to an event all the way through running the tournament, scoring it, and everything in between. And there's, there's quite a bit that goes into that. Uh, the bottom line is we save those folks a lot of time and we help them deliver exceptional experiences. I want to bounce around here, hopefully not getting off topic too much here, but one thing I love, I, I see with your handicap management with the USGA, and I want to talk about this for a moment because a lot of entrepreneurs think they have to create their own brand and their own identity, which you need to do. And then the marketing and the ability, the awareness and the, and the customer acquisition cost, especially if it's a business to business play, which what you do mostly, if not completely, right. is, is expensive and time consuming. But one thing I love that you do with the USGA is you have the product that they manage it, they take care of it. So you've done what we call, you've white labeled your golf genius product. For the USGA. So you can talk about that a little bit and those type of relationships. And so people that don't understand what white labeling is, be able to license something and plug and play your product in under the hood with someone else and how, how that could work. I know you come from the sure. fintech space and that's quite common to actually do that. So maybe you can talk about that in your relationship with the USGA and the partnerships and, and your ability to white label your product there. Absolutely. Yeah. There's actually two parts of our relationship with the USGA and you're largely referring to the first. I'll talk about both. So on the tournament side in 2017, at about the time that I was coming aboard Golf Genius, we did exactly that. We white labeled our tournament management solution 
and work with the USGA to deliver that USGA branded version of Golf Genius to clubs and golf associations all over the United States. And in fact, in a few countries outside the United States that the USGA serves. That was a very successful relationship and a large reason why we've been able to grow that part of our business. Separate from that, and because of that successful relationship, the USGA came to us in 2019 and engaged us to build the centralized handicap system here in the United States. A project they were working on trying to rebuild that and modernize what most people would call the GIN handicap system. So we rebuilt that in 2019. We launched it together with them in, in 2020. And we really are the development organization that powers that. Our brand's not on that. Most folks won't even know that we do that. If you look on our website, it's not even mentioned. But it is a big and important part of our business. And the USGA handles all other aspects of that besides the development and the technical details, the hosting of the product. They handle all of the community-facing work. They engage associations and clubs all over the country. They act as the product management organization to prioritize what's going to be worked on next. It's their product, and we help to power it. That's been a very important part of our business, but again, it doesn't have our brand on it, and it's not something that, that we're actively marketing to the public. Got it. As far as the cost or what the revenue numbers are, that's confidential. I don't want to get into that. I'm not going to go there. But perhaps you can enlighten us a bit if listeners out there are thinking, well, we've got this product or this service that we're thinking about white labeling or licensing. We don't quite know how to do it. Can you talk a bit overarching of, of the structure of how that deal would go together? So how do you generate revenue with your relationship with the USGA? Can you touch on that a little bit without getting into the numbers? Yeah, well, I'll go back to the original part, the tournament part, because it's easier to explain yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. That was a model where the USGA was paying us to deliver our product to clubs all over the country, but the clubs could also upgrade to a premium version of our product. So that white labeling model was based on the USGA wanting to deliver a product through allied golf associations to member clubs all over the country. And again, that was USGA branded product. But then again, those clubs had the opportunity to say, okay, you know what, I like this product, but I'd also like to access some of the premium capabilities of this product, in which case those clubs could upgrade and move to our premium product. So that was sort of the model that we had in place. The handicapping model is very different. That's a model that works through the USGA and the Ally Golf Associations down to member clubs all over the country. Again, that's not a white label in its classic sense. In that case, we built a USGA branded product. Got it. As opposed to white labeling a product that we already had built. Yes, understood. Okay, well, thanks <laughs> so for two that. Different, two different animals. Yeah, got it. Okay. One thing I love, you've got different products with different revenue streams and even different really revenue models, and that's robust. With businesses, if you can do that, so you don't have all your eggs in one basket, that's basic business 101 that you want to do. So if Diversify, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So if one piece gets a little bit slower and one picks up, let's say during, I don't know, a global pandemic, which we'll touch on in a few minutes here with some other themes that we want to talk about here. But I want to continue on with what you've created since Mike and I had our last conversation. One of the things you've created, and that is with Golf Shop. And what, what I love here, and we've talked about this earlier, Chris, is you really make an effort to talk to your customers and listen to your customers to find out what their needs are, what their pain points are, where the opportunities are. And I know that you have a great relationship with PGA professionals and have over 50, I believe, working with you now. So can you talk about that, the product you have with Golf Shop, what it is and how you then looked at this and made the decision, yes, we're going to hit go here and green light this, and then we're going to push this and put this out into market. So can you tell us a little bit about the evolution and the history, the opportunity with Golf Shop? 
Yeah, I mean, this is really a story of relationships. So it starts with our successful tournament management product. So by 2018, we're already well-established. We were already in our relationship with the USGA. We were in thousands of clubs around the country. And we had, at the time, roughly 25 or 30 full-time PGA professionals on staff. And their jobs are to sell our product, to engage our customers around the country, to help them get the most out of the product, and to support customers. And what that all boils down to is our team of PGA professionals serving other PGA professionals. So once we had those relationships and our customers, PGA professionals, recognized that we were delivering a great product, the tournament product, and that we were really delivering great service, high quality, that we were there for them, that leads to trust and credibility, Mm -hmm. which then leads to other conversations. And the conversation then turns to, okay, well, what else can we help you with? What are your other pain points? So if we put ourselves in the shoes of a PGA professional at a private club or a public course, you know, what do they do? Well, of course, they run golf tournaments. That's how we originally worked with them. They also run golf shops. They do other things like teach and coach, which we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. But at this stage of the conversation, it was, you know what? In the golf shop, I have certain tools and technologies that meet some of my needs, but there are things that are just unmet. There are a variety of things that I do to manage the golf shop where I don't have a good solution and I'm really doing it on paper. And those things would include special orders. So for example, if a golfer or a member walks into the shop and says, I like those shorts or I like that pair of shoes, but you don't have my size, can you order it for me? And of course, the golf professional will say, sure, I can do that. And then they have to go through a whole process behind the scenes to place that order with a manufacturer, track it, make sure it gets delivered, make sure it gets handed off to the golfer and make sure the golfer pays for it, and ultimately that the golf course eventually pays the manufacturer. So there's a lot of moving parts in that process just to deliver one pair of shoes to Colin, the member, right? Right. And most folks were managing that on paper and doing all the the manual steps behind the scenes. So what we did is we brought a solution in that allows them to capture and manage those special orders every step of the way while integrating automatic and highly customized and professional communication back to you the member. So you walk out of the shop, you get a text message or an email saying, thank you for placing your order. It confirms the details of that order. A couple of days later, you get a notification that says, good news, your order has shipped. It will be here soon. And when it arrives, you get an automatic email or text message saying, hey, good news, your item has arrived. You can stop by to pick it up. And that's all done in a highly club branded and customized way. So it looks like the club and the golf professional communicating with you, the member or the golfer. So that idea of special orders was an unmet need. Another one was managing demo clubs. So you might go into the shop and you say, hey, I want to demo this ping driver, or this tailor-made driver or a putter. And they lend it to you. It's like a lending library. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times those golf clubs walk away and don't come back. So if you, if you talk to a, a PGA professional who runs a golf shop, they might say, I lose anywhere from $2,000 to $6,000 a year in merchandise that's lent out and doesn't come back. Wow. So simply by tracking it and then adding some really good communication tools around it, you eliminate the loss of revenue and you replace it with an engagement with the golfer or the member that could help them, maybe encourage them to buy the product or encourage them to try other clubs or other uh, other products that they may eventually buy. So again, the way the journey works there is we have an inventory of clubs. They scan it into their inventory using a mobile app with a scanner. And when that gets scanned out, you could be standing on the range, for example, and you hand a golf club to a member, take out the mobile app, you scan the label, and that gets scanned out to that member who gets an automatic email or text message saying, thank you for using this club. 
we'll check back with you soon. Maybe a month later, again, highly configurable, a month later, that same member gets an email saying, hey, hope you're enjoying that club. Would you like to discuss it further? Or would you be interested in coming by and having a lesson? Or do you want to buy it? And that can continue to escalate from there. So in the past, again, that golf club would have been lost or lost track of and may not come back. Now it's tracked every step of the way with minimal effort on behalf of the golf professional because we're trying to save them time in the process. So save them time, help them run a more efficient operation while delivering highly professional communication to their golfers and members. Those are two examples. We've, we've gone on to build some other features in the golf shop product, but it all comes down to relationships. It comes down to a discussion of what are your pain points? What are your unmet needs and how can we help? There's such great lessons there that you've just put out there, Chris. And that also ties into, and you touched on this, is listening, actively listening and observing also, which a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs don't do. They fall into that unfortunate trap. And I believe me, I, I've seen it a lot at the PGA show during demo days or, or even walking the floor. I'm not going to name any names or name any products, but these products that are uh, a solution looking for a problem. And some of them are kind of gimmicky or what value are you adding? So for you, I know talking to Mike quite a bit, not only a culture of innovation, but one that also strives constantly to add value. How can you unlock value for your customers? And you do that through experience. And I, I love this. It sounds like it's so important for you for that journey, the experience for the staff. So your actual customers and professionals. And then also, of course, for people like me. I've been uh, perhaps guilty of that myself, perhaps uh, holding on to a loaner club a little too long, uh, more than I should, to squeeze in a couple extra rounds of golf with that before I gave it back. But at least I gave them back always, rather than the other side. But I love that. The fact that, yes, between observing, listening, and creating experiences through the technology that you're building. So yeah. let's keep moving on here. So another product that you're looking to launch fairly soon, I don't know what your uh, release date on this is, and you touched on this earlier, and that's on that coaching aspect. So you can talk about that a little bit of what you have in the pipeline there regarding coaching. Yeah. So yeah, natural continuation here of the theme we just talked about of relationships PGA professionals serving PGA professionals and what are your unmet needs? The reality is in the coaching space, there are a lot of tools, right? Now, you know, yep. so for your listeners, whether they're PGA professionals who coach or they're golfers who take lessons, there is a, an unbelievable explosion of tools uh, that do a variety of really cool things. It's a really big toolbox. There's no question there. But there's also some needs that are either unmet or not fully met when you talk to PGA professionals. So it starts with how do I manage my schedule? How do I manage when I'm available for lessons? And how do I make it really easy for the golfers who I teach to book a lesson? How do I make it really easy when one of them cancels on me a few hours in advance to immediately let all of my other students know that there's a spot that's open this afternoon and if you'd like it, you can grab it, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a very fundamental thing. There's nothing particularly, let's say, sexy about that. That's very sort of operational. But it saves these folks time and it allows them to deliver a better experience. So it starts with, how can I manage my schedule? How can I make it easy for golfers to sign up? And when they show up at the lesson tee, how can I not only deliver a great lesson, but then hand back to them through a mobile app relationship and experience, a, a shared experience that we have between the golfer and the coach, where I can summarize the lesson, take a video, put some voiceover on top of it, drop it into your player locker and give you a full history of every lesson you've ever had. 
And then how can I engage you off the lesson T and between the lessons? So how can I pass along drills that I want you to do or videos that I'd like you to watch that complement what I'm trying to teach to you? And how can I convey that to you off the lesson T through a shared mobile app experience? How can I build on that further and communicate with you on a regular basis? How can I monitor your performance on the golf course? For example, the scores that you're posting and on the lesson T, if you're using a launch monitor to practice the things we've talked about, how can that information come back to us through this shared mobile app experience that as, as your coach, I can see that information and I can continue to engage you again on and off the lesson T. So these are the things that we heard. Again, it's not for a lack of tools. It comes down to how do you bring it all together? How do you maximize the value of all these tools that the coach has in their toolbox and all the data that they gather and that golfers are gathering as well? How do you bring it all together to really take that relationship, that coach and player relationship to the next level so that it's an ongoing dialogue empowered with data and input and ongoing collaboration and communication? So we feel like there's an unmet need in that layer despite the fact that there are quite literally hundreds, if not thousands of different tools out there that are being used to teach and coach. Now, I, I love what you're doing here. Again, back to your history, your core competencies of scheduling and management and taking the pieces out of the toolbox there. And using this for what I can understand here, Chris, is really as that connective tissue or that aggregator that brings it all together in a seamless integrated, frictionless type of way. So for myself as a golfer, it is overwhelming between everything we have out there that you make it clear and concise and easy rather than overwhelming and bringing all that together. Because I, I agree yeah. and I have them on the podcast all the time. There's unbelievably strong and innovative tools out there that are AI powered. So rather than you trying to compete against them and maybe getting outside of your comfort zone to do something there, you're actually avoiding that and adding value by bringing it all That's together. That's exactly right. So we're not yeah. looking to compete with any of the tools in that rich toolbox. We're looking to complement and integrate and pull it all together. I'll also add one more thing that goes back to our DNA. We serve golf professionals, PGA professionals. So as we approach this coach product, our lens on this is how can we provide them tools that allow them to enhance the value that they provide to their golfers, their students, as opposed to how do we bypass the PGA professional and directly reach the student. There are plays out there that are trying to disintermediate the PGA professional. We don't believe in that because the PGA professional is core to our DNA. They are the core customer that we serve in our tournament product, in our golf shop product, and in the coaching product that we're building. Got it. Got it. So are you now packaging these together for, let's say I'm, I'm up here in Canada, let's say in Vancouver, a golf course operator that is not a client yet of Golf Genius Software. So do you then offer a bundle, let's say of all of these different software products that you have to come in and put them all together as one integrated package? Is that something that you offer or do you have each of these as a standalone offering? We do, but uh, the way we think of it is, again, it goes back to our tournament product. If there was a club out there that was not a, a user of Golf Genius at all, I think the first thing we'd be talking with them about is our tournament product. Right. Because it's well-established, it delivers tremendous value, whether you're a private club or a public course or resort, any sort of customer. In most cases, that's the place where folks start with us. You don't have to start there. We have customers who only use our golf shop product, for example, and don't yet use our tournament product. But the normal way we would engage is let's start with the tournament product. Let's get you up and running on that. 
And then let's expand from there. And as we expand from there, yes, we would look at it and say, well, look, you're already using our tournament product. You want to use our golf shop product. Yep. Let's make sure that we reflect that in the pricing because you're using both. And we would say the same thing about the coaching product. Let me stress the coaching product is not yet in market. We will be launching it later this year, but that's the philosophy that we would bring to that. Right, right. Got it. I wanted to ask you this. One thing I, I really like, and it sounds like this is in Mike's inbox and what part of what he takes care of the business. And that's the partnership side, but perhaps you can articulate this a little bit. I love the strategy that I see here rather than going after one golf course at a time, which I'm sure in marketing, now that you've got that traction and that tipping point that they come to you now, but you've got these partnerships in place that you have this top-down ability. What I see with the USGA up here in Canada with Golf Canada, which is the equivalent of the USGA. So talk about the partnership that you have with Golf Canada and how that adds value for what you do and, and how that allows you to expand your business footprint in Canada. Yeah. So there are a lot of similarities, not exactly the same, but there are some similarities what we do here in the US. So we have a very good relationship with Golf Canada. Through that relationship and the relationship that they have with the provinces in Canada, we are making the tournament product available on a Golf Canada branded basis, going back to your earlier discussion about white labeling. And clubs in Canada can purchase that product at a price that is below the retail market value because of the relationship that we have with Golf Canada and the provinces. Got it. Got it. Love that. Let's move into where things have been the last couple of years, the opportunity, the growth of golf, how Golf Genius has been able to harness this growth in rounds played and the expansion of golf. So I just want to get your take kind of through the lens of yourself personally and also through Golf Genius's lens, where you see the opportunities that have come about in the innovation side through the pandemic and the opportunities and also the challenges that golf has had. And then we'll touch on the future. I do want to save a couple of things here. So we are going to jump on a video call because of course with our YouTube channel. So we're going to have a conversation there. So I, I want to hold back a couple of things here, Chris, for that, to try to encourage our listeners to become viewers over there for that conversation. But yeah, let's dig into this a little bit. So yeah, why don't you talk to me a little bit, what you think about, let's say the pandemic and the growth of golf and also retention as far as that, the churn rate. Now that we've got all these new golfers or people playing more like myself, how do we make sure that we retain them? And of course that has to come through uh, what you do with PGA professionals in the golf courses? Well, those are the two big questions. Absolutely, right? The game of golf has benefited. I suppose you could say it's one of the few industries that have benefited from the pandemic. Incredible growth in the game here in the last 18 months, last two years. But it does beg the question of, can that growth be retained? So those are two really important questions. So as far as the pandemic is concerned, if you look back and you look at some of the data, the National Golf Foundation would say that golf grew in terms of rounds played by roughly 30% in the second half of 2020. So everyone remembers what happened. It was March, it was April. There were a lot of shutdowns going on because of the pandemic. No one really knew what to expect. So everything, including golf courses, were closed. Pretty shortly, people realized, okay, well, golf might be one of the safest things we could possibly do, and we can't sit at home all the time. So let's let's play some golf. And folks all around the world really said, let's get back on these golf courses in a way that's safe. And as a result, we saw incredible growth in June, July, August, September, October of 2020, again, to the tune of something like 30% growth, which is incredible because if you look at the data year over year for the last 15 or 20 years, the needle has not moved very much. That was a huge move. And that's continued into 2021. So again, if you look back at the NGF data for 2021, they would say that rounds are up again. So the growth has continued. The question now becomes, can it be sustained? 
So one of the reasons we think that it can be retained, and one of the reasons we think it grew in the first place is because people were working from home right? as a, a byproduct of the pandemic. And when they're working from home, they had more flexibility in their personal life. For example, if they're home, I, I have three kids, for example, you know, when you're home, you have more opportunity to say, hey, how about we go play nine holes at three o'clock in the afternoon, or, or maybe it's summer and, and the sun's not going to go down until eight o'clock. Maybe we can play nine or 18 holes at the end of the day. So there are a lot more opportunities to do that. And it's healthy. And it's a way for us to spend time together. And we believe that that was a big driver in the growth of golf. So we believe that remote working will continue. You can read about this in the general news. Remote work works. You, know, you see a lot of articles about it. Some companies are moving back towards their headquarters, although that's now retracted again with the latest variant. But we believe that remote work will continue. And because of that, the growth in golf, among other reasons, will be sustainable. Maybe not at the 30% growth level, but certainly at a new normal above where it was trending before. So we think it's going to stay. We also think that there's a real issue with labor. There's obviously labor shortages and labor challenges. So we believe that it's never been more important for golf professionals to have tools that save them time and help them deliver great experiences to golfers. And again, that's where we come into the picture. That's what we've always done. And for those reasons, our business has done very well throughout this process because people realize that we save them time and we help them deliver great experiences. So our business is growing as a result. So that, that's really the growth part of it, of the pandemic. The question then becomes retention. Yeah, yeah. How do you keep these folks engaged? And to us, that really comes down to what type of experience is the golf course delivering? So you get these folks out there for a league for nine holes or to give it a try. Maybe they, they go to a clinic. Well, what brings them back? What's going to turn them into golfers for life? What's going to turn them into folks that are going to play 10, 15, 20 or more rounds of golf a year? Because that's really the name of the game. So we sort of see three major things that keep people engaged. Quality learning opportunities, social opportunities. So they're doing it, whether they're learning or playing, they're doing it with other people, meeting new people, doing it with people they know and people that they want to get to know to, to grow their circles, their social circles, and also competition. And by competition, I don't mean the highest level of competition. I mean some level of competition to make it fun. Even if you're playing in a handicapped match or handicapped event, you're having fun because you're going out there, you're testing your own ability against the golf course, your own ability against your historical performance, and you're having fun. So you're learning, you're getting better, you're spending time with other people, and you're competing. And we believe if you can deliver all three of those things, that it enhances retention. And that's why in our own business, we're doing things like, okay, on the learning side, what can we do to help PGA professionals run the coaching part of their business? On the competition side, of course, that's our core business, tournament management. We deliver a great toolbox that helps golf professionals run great tournaments start to finish. So we already checked that box. And we're looking at various ways, for example, in enhancing leagues and helping uh, golf courses run leagues to help with the social aspect of things. So we look at that lens and say, how can we use our existing products? How can we build new products? How can we potentially acquire other products that allow us to check all three of those boxes, learning, social, competition, because if you add those up, it equals retention. When I'm listening to this, it's almost like I'm thinking I am your persona that you're building all this on because I look at myself, even though I've been in the golf industry now for about eight years, and I was warned when I jumped from where I was in the architecture profession before that, and a PGA professional friend of mine said, you know what, now that you're in the golf industry, you'll give up your golf game, which I said, no, 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 I'm going to play all this, all this free golf and amazing courses with great people. It's like, now you're not. And I was never, I would say a strong golfer before. I was one of those people that was playing with their buddies about five times a year, never practicing, usually not breaking 90, never not a handicap. And I've made 
a conscious decision even before the pandemic is like, you know what? I need to find better golf friends and I need to join a club, join a league. And I actually did that. And then the pandemic hit. And in 2020, I played 65 rounds. I played 80 rounds last year. My handicap went down to a 13, back up to a 16. So perhaps that coaching app, I I need some help with that once that product's out there, uh, Chris. But uh, but ultimately, I, I can see exactly the value that you're adding here. And we're in that whole retention piece and how it's important for not only myself, but for others. Once things open up back again and there's other options and our lifestyle gets back to some semblance of what it was before, whatever that looks like, how do you retain that? So it sounds like that's very much uh, top of mind for yourself and for Mike and the team. So, so hey, I have lots of other questions I want to ask you here, but I want to hold there because as I mentioned, I do want to ask you some more things, especially about the future and about partnerships. And uh, you talked about acquisition a little bit with other pieces rather than build it yourself. So I want to get into that a little bit more when we jump over to YouTube. So Hey, why don't we leave it at that for now, Chris? So, uh, hey, Chris Calmeyer, before we leave here, why don't you let our listeners know where they can learn more about Golf Genius software? Absolutely. Uh, go to our website, golfgenius.com. Again, it will talk about how we serve golf professionals, save them time, help them deliver great golfer experiences, help them generate revenue. It talks about our different products and, and how we serve the golf community, golf professionals and golfers. Love that. And in the show notes, as I always do, I will include the links to golfgenius.com. And as many of you may know out there, we've had the great pleasure of partnership of having Golf Genius Software as one of our supporting partners and sponsors for the last couple of years. And this is certainly this conversation, not a pay to play. I would have Chris on whether you guys were involved or not, because I love what you're doing. It's right in the wheelhouse of the stories that we love to tell here, about the entrepreneurial journey here on the Mod Golf Podcast. So with that, Chris Kalmeyer, co-CEO of Golf Genius Software. This has been great. I've learned a ton. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thanks, Colin. Loved it. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.